I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me remotely today are two musicians from the Delaware community, pianist and composer Jennifer Nicole Campbell, and violinist and Milford Branch Director of the Music School of Delaware, Amos Fayette. Welcome, Jennifer and Amos. Thanks for having us, Paul. So, so great to have you joining us today. We're, we're looking at a concert, an upcoming banking concert, Bringing Music to Life, that's going to be sponsored by the Music School of Delaware at the Wilmington Concert Hall on Wednesday, November 18th at 7 p.m. A live performance, but also, I believe, live streamed. Is that correct, Amos? Uh, that is correct. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit first about the, the program. It looks like you have four pieces that I'm looking at here. Uh, Amos, talk a little bit about the four, at least the first three, and then uh, Jennifer will let you talk about your original world premiere composition. Amos, the, the first three pieces, the Warlock, Britain, and Beethoven, what, what uh, did you choose those, and, and what was your thinking behind bringing those together? All great pieces. Um, they're all wonderful pieces. Actually, um, this is my first time through the Peter Warlock uh, Capriol Suite. I'm really looking forward to playing that. Um, the the Britain is a piece that I've, I, I played that for the first time many years ago. I think I was about uh, 12 was my first year at uh, Juilliard Pre-College. So that's bringing back some really fond memories. I really love that piece of music. It's very exciting. Uh, it's a lot of fun to play. And uh, the Beethoven is a really special piece as well. Uh, given that this is a string orchestra transcription of the scherzo from the Sixth Symphony, the Pastoral Symphony. So I'm looking forward to playing that as well. I think the audience is really, really going to enjoy it. Uh, it should be an exciting performance. The, uh, the Britain, the Simple, simple Symphony, uh, how many are in your ensemble? It was, was that Simple Symphony written for a smaller ensemble? Um, it's written for a string orchestra, which is uh, just by nature of the fact that there's no winds, brass, or percussion will be a smaller ensemble. Um, the string ensemble we'll have on the stage will be 17 people in total. And, and how, what, what kind of rehearsal process have you gone through to put this together? Well, um, our rehearsals are actually uh, starting to come, uh, coming up um, next week on the 13th. Uh, I'm actually going to be getting together with our president, uh, Kate Ransom. Uh, as well as uh, our viola principal, Maria Russo, and having a chat uh, about you know, different things, uh, maybe going over some, some directional things, some Boeings, dynamics, maybe some overall musical ideas, uh, so that when we have everyone together, uh, the rehearsal will just go that much more smoothly. And I see from your promotion that you are referring to the ensemble as Faculty and Friends String Orchestra. Is this music school faculty and some additional musicians you're bringing in, or are they students, or what? Who, who's reflected in that ensemble? Uh, for the most part, the ensemble is made up of Music School of Delaware faculty, uh, past and present. Um, and there are some other musicians, like for example, uh, Jacques-Pierre Milan uh, is a friend of the music school and plays with the uh, associated uh, Seraphin Ensemble uh, mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, and he's been a good friend of mine for the last few years. So looking forward to actually playing with him. He's a great cellist. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the challenges of being a concert master where you're both playing, but also having to hold together the ensemble. Well, uh, being a concert master, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, sort, of, sort of predicament all by itself. <laughs> it's, uh, um, 
traditionally the the concert master is it's not it's equal parts performance and politics so um you know in a traditional symphony orchestra the the concert master is sort of a, a facilitator if you will um the conduit through which the conductor will sort of deliver their musical vision uh to the musicians uh, the concertmaster also uh, traditionally in a, in a professional symphony orchestra oversees certain things such as the substitute list, um, will have an active voice in auditions, um, and is one of, the, one of the people who is most responsible for sort of curating the ensemble from the inside out. Um, now in this role, given that there is no conductor on the stage for this performance, um, the concertmaster takes on a, a, a role not at all dissimilar from that of the first violinist of a string quartet, just sort of uh, more, just extrapolated uh, a bit. Um, uh, you know, there's a, there's less of a of a of a of a conduit sort of role and more of a unifying sort of role, kind of getting everybody on the same page and making sure everyone can bring their very best to the equation. So you you have to give a little bigger head down beat or, or whatever to keep everybody together uh that's yes that's that's part of it of course now talk a little bit about uh for our listeners sake talk a little bit about your background as a violinist um okay so um i come from a musical family um i started playing the violin when i was two and a half years old uh my mother is a i know jen campbell's looking like oh my god two and a half. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, so my, my mother is a, is now a retired a Suzuki violin teacher. Um, she started me, uh, she's my first teacher. My father taught public school orchestra for 30 years. Uh, they're both now happily retired. Um, I have uh, three younger sisters who are also violinists. Well, two of them are, one's a cellist. Um, and uh, I grew up on Long Island. Uh, for many years, I followed the orchestral performance track. Uh, I was uh, a fellow at the New World Symphony for three years, um, which is actually also the kind of the place where I fell in love with education and administration, mm. which started me on a path that led me to where I am now as Milford Branch Director of the Music School of Delaware, uh, where I've been since uh, summer of 2017. So if your mother was a Suzuki violin teacher, is that how you started through the Suzuki method? Uh, yes, um, we followed the Suzuki method uh, pretty to the letter until I was about eight or nine or so, uh, at which point uh, it, I made the, started making the transition to a more traditional um, sort of instruction. Uh, I kind of grew out of it, uh, if you will, uh, like a lot of people do. I mean, you you kind of get what you need to from it and then you move on to the next thing. So the three pieces, uh, before we get to Jennifer's piece, uh, what for you is uh, the highlight of each of the pieces, the Warlock, Capriol Suite, Britain, Simple Symphony, and Beethoven Scherzo? I mean, what, um, what, what do you find uh, intriguing about each of those pieces? Well, the Capriol Suite, it's just that it's new to me. Um, I, I spent a lot of years uh, kind of traveling around playing with the different orchestras and um, so the amount of repertoire that I encounter now that I've played is, 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 is way bigger than the amount of repertoire that I haven't played. So getting to experience a new piece for the first time, that's really exciting to me. Um, the, the Beethoven, uh, I've played that symphony several times in its entirety and in, in its original uh, format. 
So getting to play uh, this new string orchestra transcription, I've never done it before. And so that's going to be a, a new experience and I'm really looking forward to that. However, if it's just coming down to the, which piece do I like the best, that for me, hands down, is, is the Britain Simple Symphony. Um, I, I love Benjamin Britten's music, um, you know, especially uh, his, his uh, 4C interludes from Peter Grimes, his violin concerto. Um, I think he's a, a fabulous composer, a very underrated composer. And the Simple Symphony being something that, you know, he says Simple Symphony, it's, I don't see it as very simple, um, but it's something that maybe is more accessible than some of his other music, which can be at times rather prickly. Um, it, I, I think it's a, a really wonderful piece of music that sometimes gets, uh, um, because it's a little easier to get around, it's, it sometimes can be relegated to uh, maybe a youth orchestra playing it. Um, and uh, it's really exciting when it's played really well. It's, it's such a, it's a great piece of music to hear. Talk, talk a little bit about the, uh, the logistics of the concert itself being both live and live stream. What does that mean for audiences and how do they find out more information about it? Well, first of all, to find more information, you can always go to our website at www.musicschoolofdelaware.org. Remember when going to the website that Delaware is spelled out, we do occasionally get someone calling us and saying, I couldn't get to your website it's because they use the abbreviation. Uh, just, just saying. Just saying. Um, but you can, uh, another way you can get in touch uh, with us, you can certainly call either one of our branches. But um, for this particular performance, make sure you call the Wilmington branch at 302-762-1132. Now, to answer your question about what the audience experience is, it, if you're there live, it really won't be any, any different from any other uh, live performance you've been to with the with the added element of social distancing, of course, which we want to be responsible. Um, we wouldn't want anyone to get sick um, during this pandemic. Um, as far as the stage logistics are concerned, that's where things get a little interesting. Um, ordinarily, a string orchestra of this size will be pretty tightly packed together on the stage um, with social distancing in effect on stage as well. That, of course, is going to present um, a little bit of a, a different element um, I always, um, when I'm trying to play just anywhere in an orchestra um, and as, you know, parts are sort of dispersed throughout the different musicians of the orchestra, um, when I'm playing with someone who is um, perhaps a bit further away from me, I find my level of anticipation has to go up, uh, anticipating what they're going to do. Um, you know, my knowledge of the score has to be a bit more fine-tuned. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't have the luxury of having that person necessarily right next to you. The, the reaction time, no matter how quick you are, um, it, you know, it has to be a little bit more on point. Right. Um, as, so um, I think just really the level of preparation is, is all it needs to be just a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. But from that, it shouldn't be too much different. And by going to the website, people can also find out how to uh, listen in through the live streaming. Absolutely. Which is great. I mean, it allows the concert to have a uh, an unlimited geographic reach. I, I think that's great that you're that you're applying that technology. Jennifer, I want to thank you for waiting. I want to turn to you now, but let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. 
Uh, joining me today, we've been chatting with Amos Fayette, the Milford branch director of the Music School of Delaware, who's also the concert master of the upcoming concert bringing music to life. Jennifer Nicole Campbell is with us now, and I, I want to turn to you, Jennifer. Jennifer will be performing uh, an original composition. Uh, Jennifer is both a composer and pianist. And Jennifer, we are talking offline. Uh, what I see in the promotion for the concert is you will be playing new work for solo piano, which I, I, I envision myself walking through the art gallery and looking at something that's called untitled. <laughs> uh, can I talk a little bit about your, uh, your composition, what went into it, uh, what, what, what it's, the nature of it is, and you know, the, the sort of the style and what, what your influences were in the composition. Yeah, that, that's a, it's naming a, a piece of music is always, a, I think, one of the most difficult things for me. Um, so this particular piece, though, is quite different because uh, what we did to, to, to kind of fundraise for this particular uh, event here was I, I was given kind of parameters from people that donated money to the school. And for a certain amount, they could say, well, you get to choose, uh, you know, the key of a certain portion of the piece. Let's say eight measures should be in D minor or I want you to play uh, the pentatonic scale. I would say that one of the most interesting was someone said, I want to hear a, a chord from a Jimi Hendrix uh, piece. And I was like, oh, okay. That's, that was certainly the most interesting of all the parameters. So a lot of people just said, you know, let the composer decide. But what I had to, what I'm having to do is really, you know, uh, kind of put together almost like a patchwork um, with these different parameters. Uh, and in honor of, of Beethoven, I thought, well, this is perfect timing to do some kind of fantasy on Ode to Joy. Uh, it might end up being called that, but I'm still working on it. And in, in full transparency, I'm still working on the piece. And you might think, oh, my God, it's November 18th. But um, it's exciting, you know, and it's a piece of music that I really want focused on joyfulness. And I want people to be uplifted when they hear it. And the way that I have the piece set up, it's got different sections of it. And it goes through, the, the tune of Ode to Joy is kind of going through a journey. Uh, there's a portion of the piece that starts, you know, kind of dark and dreary, and it's, it's Ode to Joy in a minor key, um, which is kind of interesting. So it's, it's meant to take the listener on a journey and uh, hopefully uplift them. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious about your process in composing. Do you, uh, do you sit at a keyboard and sort of play through things until you come up with something you want to put down on paper or I mean how, how does that work yeah that's a great question and you know it changes with each piece that I com compose I have to say usually what I start out doing is I'll put the recorder on and improvise some ideas and then I you know later on probably the, the day later um, I'll listen through and I'll think well that was interesting but no way and other things oh I could take that and so then you kind of set, you know, kind of a groundwork. And then I try to decide on what kind of form I want the piece to have. Um, but I think it's important. I mean, composing is so different than improvisation because improvisation is more reactionary, right? And you just kind of follow, you know, these, these different feelings you have. Whereas composition, you're, you're, it's like a, you know, an invisible building you're having to create in sound. And uh, it's a very different process. But... I would say, uh, to answer your question, I guess more clearly, is I, I try to record some improvisatory things and then I, you know, get out the tools and start to build, uh, you know, a, a musical house, I guess. <laughs> do, you use, do, you, do you use technology 
to actually write out the music or are you, are you still sitting there with the, the staff paper and, and the pencil? I, I typically have my computer resting right on my piano. Um, and I do some work at the piano, some work away from the piano. Uh, it's interesting, Paul, because I think sometimes I limit myself when I'm at the piano because I'll start playing right. and then I'm not doing as much deep thinking about, wait a minute, you know, this is, oh, I like this sound. It's like, just because you like the sound doesn't mean it will work for the piece of music, which uh, is kind of interesting. So I'm trying to kind of split my time evenly between the piano and, you know, sitting outside or enjoying the weather or something. I was wondering, there is technology, correct me if I'm wrong, there is technology whereby if you play something on a keyboard, it records it on as written music. Am I right about that? Yeah, there there are different kind of modes. Uh, there's yeah, one, yeah. In, I use Finale, uh, and it's called Hyperscribe. So, yeah. you know, you go to the keyboard and you use the MIDI. The funny thing about that, though, is that, you know, we're not computers. So if you have even like 0. 0.0001 second, it's like, oh, it's a 128th note and, you know, two 128th rests, and you're like, oh, fun, you know. <laughs> exactly. You got it, Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so this particular piece was commissioned for this concert? Yes, for the music school, yeah. Okay. Oh, that, mm -hmm. That's really exciting. Uh, how long of a piece is it? Uh, it's going to be probably five to, to seven minutes, something like that. Okay. And yeah. it is a solo piece for piano. It's just, mm -hmm. you, just you on the stage. Yeah. Now, are, are you the finale to the program then? Are you the last piece on the program? Um, I... I believe that's how it's listed. I'm not sure if that's going to be the program order, to be to be honest. I don't know. Amos, do you know? Amos, do you have a, a sequence for the pieces? Yes, I do. I just give me one moment. I will pull it up. and Looking it up? Uh, it's going to be, yep, I have it right here. Uh, Beethoven, Warlock, World Premiere, Intermission, and then Britain. Right, right. So, so Jennifer, uh, where where does this piece fit in your lexicon of composition? And how uh, how many pieces have you done? Do you, do you have other pieces that are similar to this? Um, I, I would say it, it has some similarity to uh, other piano works that I have, uh, in the sense that I with with my music, I'd like to take the listener on a journey. I want them to feel like they've gone through something. It's not just all you know, like happy, or it's not just all sad. I, I like to to create an adventure for the listener. Um, and so in that sense, I would say it's similar to some of my other compositions. Uh, this one, I'd say it had, there's sort of a, a little bit of a dark side to it, sort of a dark night of the soul, if you will. I mean, taking Ode to Joy and, and making it minor is a little, uh, you know, on the dark side, if you will. But because of that, the it makes it even more the joyful in the end because it's been through this uh, journey. So I, I think people will like it. And you know, I I um, I looked at the lyrics for Ode to Joy, and Beethoven's really honestly one of my heroes. I think you know, here's he was deaf, and he's he wrote a piece of music that everybody knows. You know, it's one of the first things my students learn is Ode to Joy on the piano, mm -hmm. and it just has this resonance. And you know, the ending of the lyrics Ode to Joy is you know, world, do you know your creator? Seek him in the heavens, above the stars must he dwell. And so that's where I want to, I want to take the listener to a spiritual place because I'm, I'm deeply religious and, and I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's so important that especially now people need to just feel joy. They yeah. need to feel joy. I think it sounds like a really exciting piece. I'm curious, once, once you 
uh, compose the piece. This will be the world premiere. Do you come away from an actual performance of a piece and ever rethink any part of it? Absolutely, Pauline. It's funny you, you mentioned that. It's one reason why I tend to, when I'm performing some of my compositions, I tend to use the music because I keep making changes to it. So I have to keep looking at the score. Oh, I, I changed that. That's right. So yeah, I, <laughs> I can be a little obsessive about that, but um, I think it's a good thing. You know, Self-reflection, you know, even when I give world premieres, I will often think, oh, that, hmm, I could change that and try not to distract myself with that. <laughs> And I assume some of your compositions have been published. Uh, well, I, yeah, I self-published them. Uh, you can okay. actually get them through through my website, um, which is www.jennifernicolecampbell.com. And uh, yeah, I don't have a you know a official publisher yet, but self-publishing gives me a certain amount of freedom, which which I like. At, at what point in the composing process do you commit to publishing it? Uh, I would say typically maybe like you know two weeks three weeks out from the performance date of course that depends but um uh you know it, it takes a lot editing is a whole nother ball game editing is you know one of those things that it, it's it's just totally different and it involves getting other people to look at it and printing it out multiple times yourself and oh you know that accent's in the wrong place or whatever and you know, so that requires sort of a, a team of people, if you will, and they're mostly colleagues and dear friends that will say, oh, you need to fix that. But yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's been great he hearing a little bit about your process. And believe it or not, we're running out of time. So Amos, let me just give you about a half minute to uh, remind our listeners of the details of the concert. Well, now that I'm unmuted. Um, <laughs> Um, we're really looking forward to this performance on uh, November the 18th at, uh, sorry, at 7 p.m. Uh, you can get details on our website at www.musicschoolofdelaware.org and remember that Delaware is spelled out. And you can call uh, the Wilmington, Wilmington branch at 302-762-1132 for more information. We hope to see you there, either online or in person. Great. Amos Fayette and Jennifer Nicole Campbell, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Paul.